Asalaamu Alaikum. Peace be upon you. Welcome to the Continuous Learning Development Institute. Today we're going to discuss about who God is or the concept of God from an Islamic perspective. Uh, in particular, we will speak about who is Allah because this is what Muslims refer to as God as Allah. In order to understand the concept of God, um, we need to go through the actual doctrines that explain the or give, a, give us the definition of who God is. Who better to explain or introduce themselves than the individual or the being themselves? For example, if I want to introduce myself to you, I would be the best person to give you that introduction. We try and understand the concept of God through the doctrines as he has spoken about them directly to us and informed us um, from himself, rather than trying to understand the concept of God from other people and their interpretations of, of who God may be. As an institute, we are um, we are trying our best to give lots of different information, provide free information about um, Islam and religion, and remove some misconceptions. So you can go over to our website to download any material that you may find interesting to learn about Islam. You can also email us through that website. We ultimately, alternatively, have. Um, a YouTube channel where we try and upload as many lectures as possible. We also have a Facebook that you can access through this website here. And, you know, just be familiar with what we're doing and just maintain maintaining up to date with our current affairs and what, and what you know, what upcoming events we may have. We do have a counselling event upcoming, so if you are interested on, in that, then either go through the Facebook or go on our website under events and register for that event. It's, it is a free event, so you can just register for it and we'll send out the link um, once, we, uh, once we are closer to the, to the uh, date of that webinar. So um, we are going to go now and discuss who God is, and as I said, the best uh, best. Um, starting point of that is through the scriptures or the doctrines themselves. So let's see what the Quran says about Allah or who God is. So Quran in chapter 114 in class, um, so that's the name of the, the chapter in the Quran is, is the last last chapter of the of the of the book. So if you were to open it, if you are if you do have a, a Quran, go to the right to the fine to the right to right to the back and go to 114 um, chapter and it's a four verse chapter that gives you a definition of who God is a concept of God by Allah informing us who he is so Allah starts with the first verse by saying say he is Allah the one so he is now introducing himself by by first bringing our attention to him being the one God the one here um, used in this verse is ahad and not wahid. Wahid in Arabic means one, so one, two, three, four. But wahid, number, as in the number one, is not used here. What's used here is ahad. Ahad means uniquely one. So it's one that is unique and there's no other one like it. Whereas wahid means it's one of a kind. So I may have a pen. It may be a special pen. It may be that it's not like uh, my friend's pen, but it's still a, it's still one of a kind. It's still one pen of many other pens. I may have a book, but it may be a book of many, 
a, a one-of-a-kind of many other books. Ahad is something that's just, you know, unique as in one. It's not one as one of a type, one of a kind. It's just one. So he's so Allah tells us that he's only there's only one God. He's only one God, and there's no other God. There's no other God like. There's no God, you know, whether we say like him or not. So that's why he's not used Wahid, because it's not he's not one of a kind. He is Ahad, just the complete one. So here Allah says that he there's no equal or likeness, that no person or thing enjoys the characteristics of perfection that are due to Allah alone. So he is uniquely one. Allah in the second verse says that he is Allah the eternal, self-sufficient master whom all the creatures are in need of whilst he is free of need. The word that is used in this verse is as-samad, Allahu samad As-samad means he is sought in all situations and matters and we direct ourselves towards him in our moments of need while he is in no need of anything. Here, everything depends on him. We depend on God. Our creation depends on him. He is free of need. He is free of anything. He's free of any requirement. He needs not our worship. So Samad is quite a broad understanding. So this is the reason why I've def defined it in many different ways. Eternal, self-sufficient master who everything depends on, but he does not depend on anything. And that's one of the things that you, if you are familiar with Arabic language, um, a word can mean many different things. And one word can have multiple meanings and all those meanings may be applicable to this verse. The third verse goes on to speak about him beget he begets not, nor is he begotten. Allah tells us that he has no children and he has no parents. Thus he's saying that he has no beginning, nor does he have any end. So God here is not created. He's not a created being. He has no, he, he has no children. He has no parents because they then will be gods like him. And we already said that he is unique. He is unique. There is there, there could be no other God. There could never be a God but him. There is no God but him. He is the God. He is Allah. He is the creator. If he had any offspring or any, any parents, then he would not be the one. Okay, he would not be the unique one. We have many, many humans. We're all different. We may be all different human beings, but we're all human. We're all the same in our creation, our essence. We may look the different. We may look different. We may act different. We may have different appearances and characteristics, but we are all the same nation. We are one nation. We are all the same kind. Okay, we are one kind. That's why we call the mankind. We are all a kind of people one kind of people, but oh God is not of a kind. He is just the one. The last verse says, and there is none comparable to him, meaning you cannot compare him to anything. He can he he cannot be like anything else. There's nothing like him. You cannot compare him to anything. The moment you think of an image in, in your mind, that is not God. Because the minute you have an image, you are comparing him to that image and that ceases to be God. God cannot be compared. You do not know what God is or who, what does he look like? This is a four-line definition of the concept of God. Allah tells us about, he informs us about himself. Who is he? Who, who is he telling us to direct our worship to? 
it's, it's great that we may have different sorts of scriptures, but if, you, if our scriptures are not calling us to the definition of who God is or to the correct worship, then we, we, we will be left in utter confusion. We will not know who God is. And this is what one of the you know, main topics debated in philosophy, the concept of God, who God is. As Muslims, we have a declaration of faith that we make. So any person who um, either becomes Muslim or any person who, um, you know, who, who is a Muslim, say this, 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 this statement, um, any person who does want to become Muslim, this is the only statement that they have to utter in order for them to become official, an official Muslim. It's a covenant between mankind and God and it's divided between two parts. The first part is negation. It means, la and in Arabic, negation is la ilaha. So what are we negating? We're negating or rejecting all false gods and all types of association with God. And we say that, we do that by saying, there is no God, la ilaha. And that is the meaning of la ilaha, there is no God. So that's the first part of our covenant. The second part is confirmation. So what are we confirming? We're confirming illallah. We confirm or affirm belief in one God by saying, except Allah. So what, what we're doing, we're saying, first part, negating, there is no God. Second part, we're affirming, except Allah. Okay, illallah. Together we say, la ilaha, negating all false gods, rejecting all false gods. There is no God, la, no, ilah, God, no God. That's what it literally means, no God. Illa, except, that's now coming to our confirmation statement, except illa, Allah, except Allah. There is no God except Allah. And that's the declaration of our faith broken into two parts here. The first part is rejection and the second part is confirmation. Faith in Allah is the first article of faith. Tawheed in oneness literally means unification, making something one. Oneness of Allah is divided into three broad concepts. A lot of people, when they think that Muslims believe in the oneness of God, it just literally means the oneness of God. And it does in literal sense, it means oneness of God. But we can identify three broad aspects of that. What are we saying when we say oneness of God? What we mean is oneness in his lordship in Rububiya. Oneness in his names and attributes oneness in his worship in Ibad and Uluhiya. So we are not just saying he is the one God. We are saying he is the one God. He is one as in his lordship as a lord. He is one and unique in the names and attributes he has taken for himself. He is uniquely one in, in who we worship, who we direct our worship to. So in former definition, oneness in the lordship means maintaining unity of lordship by affirming Allah is the one, Allah is the one without partners in his sovereignty or dominion. Oneness in his names and attributes is by affirming that they are incomparable and unique to him. So the names and attributes that are given to him. So Allah's Father can be called upon any other name. He can be called Rahim or Rahman or Khalik. Okay, and there are many names of Waham, there are many names that we can call upon him. And those names, some of them are names and some of them are attributes made of names and attributes that are unique to him. Tawheed al-Ibadah is oneness of his worship, meaning that we maintain or affirm the worship of Allah alone and we believe that none has the right to be worshipped except him.
if we look at the oneness in lordship, what do we mean when we say oneness in lordship, oneness in, tuh- in his rububiyya? The, the term rububiyya, lordship, comes from the root word rub, which means lord. Tawhid al-rububiyya means Allah has made all things to exist when there was nothing. So he created everything when there was nothing. From nothing came a creation and he was the God. He was the ultimate being that brought that into existence. He helps and maintains creation. Nothing in creation happens without his will. It's closely related to God, the predestination. Now, predestination is basically God not uh, pre-decreeing what you do. Not, not decreeing what you do, sorry. He's not decreeing what you do. You do have free will, but he pre-records your choices. Why? Because God has knowledge of the unseen. He knows what your choices will be. He still gives you free will. You still make those choices, but the only thing is he's pre-recorded them. So, for example, you may estimate, okay, you may estimate somebody's results, and you may say that, you know, as a tutor, I can predict the results for my students. Now, that estimate can still is is close is is close to what to what you may estimate. The result may be close to what you estimated, but you can be slightly off. But God's estimation is a hundred percent correct because He has knowledge of the unseen, so He can pre-record. You can pre-record what your actions are going to be, what your choices are going to be. But that's not to say that he has forced you into those because you still have that free will. You've had, you have willingly made those choices. Um, but here it means predestination, meaning he's, everything has been pre-recorded. Um, Allah's mother knows the choices we're going to make. So he's pre-recorded them rather than um, you know, waiting for us to make them, then recording them, then because that would not mean that, you know, that doesn't mean that he's God, then God should have knowledge of everything. Allah is a creator, he's called Al Khalik, which means the creator. So, this is one of the names given to God, Khalik, the creator. So, we can call upon him as Al Khalik, Allah. Okay, and we'll see some other ones as we go along. If you want to avoid bad fortune, you should ask Allah's mother directly. By, but, by, but by using charms for good luck, that is not allowed because what you are doing is depending on the look of the charms and not depending on Allah and his lordship. Anything that you do trust in other than Allah, it acts as a association or going against the oneness in the lordship. Some people would say that walking under a ladder or breaking mirrors, spilling salts are forms of bad luck. However, any Muslim that believes in God, any person that believes in God, and, and, and those are the Muslims, if they, if they truly believe in God, if they truly believe in Allah, then they should understand that these things, um, these things have nothing to do with the Lordship of Allah. And they go against belief in the Lordship because everything that happens, happens with his will. Associating partners in Rububiya, shirk basically means sharing with sharing of something. So that's the literal meaning of shirk. Shirk and lordship means to believe others help Allah control the universe, or that no God in the uni the, the no God controls the universe at all. 
this belief that God alone, the belief that God alone cannot do everything and needs a helper is shirk, meaning associating partners with his lordship. Believing that saints alive or dead and human beings can help you instead of Allah is also a association of partners with lordship, with his lordship. Shirk of Rububia can also occur if one completely denies there is a God and rejects that God exists, like scientists who say that we, we, we existed by chance from evolving from apes and not from being created by God himself. Scientists who have invented the theory that matter, physical substance, exists without a beginning and an end, and human mind is what came out from that. Depending, like making the creation of humans dependent on a physical substance is something that you, you when you once you a firm belief in that, you begin to associate partners into his lordship and you reject that unique um, association, um, that unique belief of oneness in lordship, and then you are associated partners with that. Allah himself in the Quran refutes the concept of other gods and he calls mankind to reflect logically in the following words. He says, had there been in heaven or on earth any deities other than God, they would both be ruined. So he's saying that both the heaven and the earth would have gone into ruin if there were more than one God. But exalted be God in his limitless glory, Lord of the throne, who is far above anything they describe. The second verse here shed some light into what we mean when we say that the heaven and the earth would both be ruined. God has not taken any sin, nor has there ever been with him any deity. If there had been, then each deity would have taken away what it created, as some of them would have overcome others. So here Allah is telling us that there would have been a constant battle between gods and one overcoming the other. And that ultimately means the heaven and the earth both would be ruined. That's what it means. They would be ruined. They would have gone into a collision. The fact that the earth, the universe is smoothly running, it, it directs our, directs um, our, it should direct our attention to one thing, and that is the oneness of God because of the smooth uh, design of the universe. Muslim scholars have put forth the following example as an illustration uh, of the concept or against the concept of multiple gods. They say if there had been more than one god running the universe, sooner or later they would disagree about something. And because of that, because they are both individuals and each one of them would have his own will. Let's say, for example, one day one god decides that a certain person should live, should die, and one and, and the other god decides that that same person should live, then there are three possible logical outcomes that could come from that. Both gods get their own way, but that is impossible because a person cannot be both alive and dead at the same time. The wills of the two gods cancel each other out, so that neither one of them gets his way, but that is impossible too because a person must be either alive or dead. He cannot be neither. So basically, one god um, can make a person alive, and the other person, the other god, can make the person dead. So he has to, one has to exist, not not he cannot be neither. So the third possibility is that the will of God overrides the other god. 
And in this case, the God who didn't get his way would clearly not be God because there is something much more stronger than him. The fact that we see the universe running smoothly and seamlessly according to the regular natural laws indicates that the dominion is of a one God. Tawheed in the worship, so Tawheed in the worship of Allah. Tawheed literally means to serve God in a low position, submit to him. We Obviously, we know that when we respect somebody, we do a courtesy bow. Some people would literally bow. Some people do bow on, on the ground. And we do a similar, you know, so, so they would that would be a prostration more than a bow. So we also do a prostration, which... Um, which we know that is out of respect and honour, and we respect and honour Allah and our Lord, and we submit to him, and we acknowledge his authority over us. Having firm belief in Allah as the only one true God and worshipping him alone, inwardly and outwardly. So that basically means not to just say, I worship one true God, but then believing in lots of different superstitions and believing that they will harm you. Um, we know that there is a narration in the hadith and from the prophet that um, God said, if 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 the entire mankind and everybody in creation was was to come and harm you with something, they could not harm you with anything that God had not decreed for you. And if they've come together to benefit with with you and with you with something, know that they cannot benefit you with anything except without His will. So this this clearly shows that the will of God is the ultimate driving force behind us getting anything. So we that's what we have to believe rather than the charms and the superstitions that we think can bring us harm. Worship in Arabic basically means obedience. So obedience to God and obedience to his laws without questioning them. Now, someone may say, well, is that not similar to blindly following um, God? But Allah SWT throughout the Quran calls, calls people to reflect upon the creation, to reflect upon the earlier nations and how they existed, the earlier civilizations, by going through the earth and seeing what they've left behind the ruins. And, you know, just which all of which affirms belief in the one true God. So by trying to um, investigate logically, this is what the Quran is calling to us. And then it says, once we've investigated and once all of that which we have researched brings us back to the worship of to the to the worship of God. We should submit then without questioning Him. Some people go to graves of saints and pray through them, believing their prayers will reach God, Allah. This is completely incorrect because one needs to ask God directly, and this is stated in the first chapter of the Quran called Al-Fatiha, the opening, and it reads, "You alone we worship, and you alone we ask for help." So Allah subhanahu wa is telling us directly, directing our worship to him and asking for help from him directly. Following other people about what is um, lawful and unlawful, so haram, unlawful and halal, what is lawful, means that you're worshipping them instead of Allah, but it means you're ignoring what Allah has made lawful and unlawful for you. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa mentions in the following words, they have taken their rabbis and monks as their lords besides Allah. So Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, was having a conversation with a Christian and he said, and he read this verse to him, that they have taken their rabbis and monks as lords besides Allah. And the Christian said, but we do not worship our priests. And he said, did they not make unlawful lawful and what was lawful unlawful to you? And did you not follow them in that? And he said, yes. He said, then that is you worshipping them. That is your worship of them. And, and we see that the church has 
changed the Bible and a lot of it has um, you know, changed by the priests. And there are what's, what was lawful, uh, what was unlawful made lawful or what was lawful was made unlawful. So that would mean over taking the word of the monks and rabbis as presidents over what the word of God was. And this is what Allah says in the Quran, that this is what had happened. And this is what they did. So if any Muslim today was to listen to a priest or an imam or anybody who goes against the rulings of the Quran, then you are worshipping those saints. So it doesn't just mean the rabbis and the monks, the Christians and the Jews. It can also mean for the Muslims, if the Muslims are worshipping the, the people within their community, the Sufis and, and so on, then that means that they are worshipping those people instead of the worship of Allah. Worshipping Allah is the reason for our creation. And this is uh, this is one of the um, philosophical questions that has been, you know, heavily debated, heavily, um, try, you know, he, he, you know, books have been written about this, uh, this subject. So the philosophers tried really hard to understand the reason for the creation. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has informed us the reason in the Quran. He tells us, and I, Allah, only created the jinns and the mankind for my worship. So the, the purpose of, of, worship, of our creation is to worship him. And this is why a lot of people do not find a fulfillment of their life. They're not fulfilled. There are many, many issues. They have many, many problems. And they are not satisfied and, then, and they're not happy. And they, 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 they have that depression. So that all stems from a lack of fulfillment. And the fulfillment only comes when you're worshipping God. Don't forget that there is a verse in the Quran that says, "Surely in the remembrance of heart, in the, surely in the remembrance of God, do hearts find rest." So the rest, your heart will be at ease and at rest once you are worshiping God. And if you don't worship God, then your heart will not be at rest. We need to understand the purpose of creation because if we don't, then ultimately what we're doing is wasting our time. We're affecting our own selves by going into a frenzy of depression by making sure, making making our worship um, you know decreasing it and making it to other than Allah means that we will not have a, a satisfaction we will not have that fulfillment the purpose of life is not an obvious one so not you know no, not everybody can say what is the purpose of life and this is why in philosophy there were so many books written about it but you need to again go through the scriptures to understand Allah or God would inform you if God is trying to guide you, trying to call you to his worship, surely he, in his book, will direct all and every question that a person can have about their creation. So all people, as all people would be doing it. So, you know, the, basically it says that if the, obvious, if, if the purpose was so obvious, we would all be doing it. But we're not all doing it, so it's not obvious to us. So what did God do? God sent prophets with books. And this is what God, uh, this is what we believe that all of the prophets like Moses, Jesus, Abraham, peace be upon them all, came with books. They brought a message. And the ultimate message of all those books was to worship one true God. That is the wish, that is the central message. And that is the effort made by the previous prophets. They told us one thing, and that was the purpose of our life, and that was to worship God. 
it means when we worship God, we are called an abd servant. So a lot of people would object to this. Why are you called or referred to as a servant of God and not the children of God? Well, previously in the Bible, they were the people were addressed as children of God. And that did cause that confusion about ascribing children to God and the begotten son of God. And, you know, that that at that time, everybody was called children of God, anybody who believed in God. So in the Quran, it it came as the servant of God because God is the ultimate king. Allah is the ultimate king. He's the, he's the Khalik, he's the creator. And we know that um, previously the royals, any person who is of a royalty has servants. And they, in modern times, the terminology may change, but anybody that saves you, saves your interest is a servant. And we are serving Allah through our worship to him. So we are his servants. Um, this is the reason why Abdullah means the servant of Allah, Amtallah, meaning a female slave of Allah, um, is one of, of, of the best names. We cannot add Abd to any other to anyone else other than Allah. So we can only say Abdullah, um, and we cannot say Abd to the Prophet. Uh, okay, Abdul Rasul or something like that, because that means that we are saying the slave of the prophet and that again is shirk. We, we we respect the prophets we honor them but we do not worship them worship is the core um, of islam because the word islam means to submit or surrender oneself our bodies already surrender to the law of allah because they um, submit to a law of nature meaning they automatically pump blood and they work as Allah has designed them. So they are submitting to his will already. If we do our worship, we become the highest level of Allah's creation. However, if we fall short of that, then we are no longer called the best creation. And instead, we become a low creation, that like of the Satan who refused to obey God. When we reach levels, high levels of Ibadah worship, we are called something like the Khalifa, which is the vicegerent. And Allah subhanahu mentions to us in the Quran that when he created us, he created us for the um, the role of a caliph, a vicegerent, to act up as, as one on earth. Well, who is the vicegerent then? The vicegerent or the caliph is responsible for governing other creatures on earth by maintaining law and order on an individual level. Okay, so that doesn't mean you go around creating small pockets of states with governmental uh, bodies. It basically means that you are governing the creatures on earth by maintaining law and order, by submitting. The purpose of our creation in relation to the rest of the creation. So first, the purpose of creation is between us and Lord, between God and creation, then between the creation to creation. So how are we responsible for them? So the other creation, meaning the creatures, how do we look after them, the animals? Okay, the earth itself, are we taking care of pollution? Are we hurting people with our actions and our words? And if we are, then that is not us being the vicegerent or Khalifa on earth. We have been put with an individual responsibility. And that means to ensure we are not hurting anybody, either we are taking care of the, of the earth, the pollution, and of other creations. Destroying plants and farms or throwing litter on floor or in people's ways means not obeying your duty, not doing your duty as a caliph on earth. 
you have a responsibility. So we here, that's what we meant by maintaining law and order. You maintain law and order, you be obedient to the law of the country that you live in. You maintain orderly fashion. You do not go against um, anybody. You do not uh, cause harm to any person. You do not cause chaos and rioting. So that's the opposite of the responsibility that you have been given by Allah. The Prophet said, removing a harmful thing from the pathway is charity. The final broad concept of oneness of God that we will look at is through his names and attributes. So any names or attributes that God has given himself. We believe in the names and attributes Allah has informed us about himself and told us, uh, told us through his prophet or through the Quran. And hadith is basically what the prophet has said, the collective sayings of the prophet. Muhammad, peace be upon him. Believing in the names and attributes without changing the meaning of any, any of those names and attributes, we don't cancel them, we do not deny them, without changing them, or even without trying to understand the essence. For example, if we, if we say God is living, we don't try and understand what that means or the root essence of that. And I'll come to that in, a, in, in some detail in the next slide. Believing in the names and attributes uh, without giving them a certain image. So we do not conjure up an image of God and what he looks like or make a statue of God. Believing in the names and attributes without comparing them to human characteristic. For example, in the Bible, it says that God rested after creating the heavens. We do not give a human uh, characteristic to God. We do not say that it's, it's because, it's, because it is humans that need rest and not God. Tawheed is based on three of the following foundations. It means putting God above his creation without any imperfections or comparisons. Believe in the names and attributes given in the Quran and the, and the Hadith, the Sunnah, the sayings of the Prophet without taking anything away from them, without explaining them, changing them or cancelling them. This is what we've just said up here. You don't have any desire to give the names and attributes or, or form of or not having any desire to give the names and attributes a form or a picture. So every time you think of a name and attribute that belongs to God, you have to think of the name and attribute in the absolute sense, the way it's been described to us without conjuring up a, a picture. Categories of Tawheed is maintaining, maintaining the unity of Allah's name and attributes by referring to him as the Prophet described him. We, we do not give them alternative meanings. This has resulted in rational interpretation. So what, if, you, if you try and give alternative meanings, this has resulted in rational interpretations that have led to logical conclusions. So there are groups um, of Muslims that ultimately tried to become to give rational interpretations to or alternative meanings to the names and attributes of God. And ultimately what happened is they, became, they came out to be those who ended up denying the existence of Allah. So that could easily take you out of the fold of Islam because if you deny the existence of Allah, it means you are no longer a Muslim. And the example that I was speaking about earlier on, it means it refers to Allah as living. So what happened when rationalist ideas um, came into circulation? They tried to draw they 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 tried not to draw similarity between human beings living and in and God's type of living. So what they did was they argue that God is neither living nor existing, and they failed to understand that the similarity in the attribute is such as living is merely by name and not by decree, because they were so. Um, 
focused on not not trying to understand God's attributes um, by comparing them or liking them to human beings. So they knew that God was unique and they 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 focus so much on that concept alone that God is incomparable to anything else. They ended up denying that God was living or existing because in the Quran, God is referred to as the ever living. And human beings are living on this earth. Human beings are living. So because of the similarity in the name, these rationalists ended up denying the existence of God altogether. Um, they were too focused on the term rather than on the um, the attribute in itself. So the, the name, as we've said, it, it was the same name that was, you know, the living, living, Allah's living and the human beings are living, but it's not in the same sense, okay? It's not in the same form. Not giving Allah from the attribute of his creation, for example, saying God slept on the seventh day. So we assign attributes of the creation to the creator. Human beings need to sleep. Human beings need to rest. God does not. So once you start ascribing that to God, then you are making him like a human. And we have to go back and refer everything back to that final verse. There is nothing like him. Okay, so there is nothing like him. Faculties of hearing and seeing are human attributes and are also ascribed to God himself. And this is what the rationalists had a problem with. Uh, because they were saying that they're trying to understand this concept. There's nothing like him. So therefore, uh, God cannot be living and human beings can also live. So the faculties of hearing and seeing um, are human attributes and are ascribed to God, but without any comparison to his creation. And you should limit the interpretations to any except the obvious ones without giving your intellect free reign. So basically... In the Quran, it says God is ever living. You accept that without going too much into detail. But you should understand that while the word is the same, while the term used for human living and God as living is the same, the understanding or the, um, the, the function of it is very different. This includes making God appear as human beings while one has to think of his or her creator above his creation. So thinking of God above your own creation. So before we talked about, um, so here we're talking about giving human attributes that belong, so giving humans attributes that belong to God. So before we gave human attributes to God, now we're giving God's attributes to humans. Some groups, Muslim groups, like Shia groups or Imams, sorry, give their Imams, their priests, attributes of absolute infallibility, which means knowledge of the past, future and unseen. Now, this knowledge only belongs to God himself. There is no other creation that can have knowledge of that sort. The ability to change destiny and control the atoms of creation. This is what they believe that these priests among them have this knowledge and this control over the atoms. There are also Sufis that hold the view that these Imams or Sheikhs cannot do anything wrong inwardly or outwardly, that they cannot make any mistakes. And what you do with that is the danger of putting somebody on a perfect level and any God is perfect and no, no human is. Um, and that they can understand information of anything, anywhere and at any time. So that again is absolute knowledge that belongs to God alone. 
and we cannot really ascribe to, ascribe that absolute knowledge to people. So that is contradiction if of who God is. The shirk in the names and attributes of God, it means that we believe that God is like a man or think that human is like God and that they can share an attribute of all seeing and all hearing. Yes, we see and we hear, but we are not all seeing and we are not all hearing. We do not have knowledge of the unseen as God does. To make pictures of God or a statue is humanizing him. So to say God needs rest, as we said before, if we say God needs sleep, that's humanizing him. Deification is when a human is treated like God. For example, creative things, created beings or things are given names and attributes of God. The theory of Einstein um, regarding relativity, uh, where he, he suggests that energy um, is a matter which will not be destroyed, but Allah Subhanahu tells us that everything in the world will be destroyed. So a contradiction to what God, God has told him. This is the knowledge of God, and that takes precedent over everything. And if we if we contradict and believe in the theory of Einstein, then what we're doing is contradicting the Quran. Saying Jesus is God because he did not have a father and comparing him to being a God is shirk in Asma wa Sifar. Okay, so saying that uh, we're believing in a, a, a man as, as a God, um, making him like humans, so giving God a human form. It's going against the names and attributes because nothing can be compared to God. Allah himself, Allah in the Quran, gives the similitude of Adam to Jesus. And he says, the likeness of Adam, peace be upon him, is, is like Jesus, peace be upon him. And he says, indeed, the example of Jesus to Allah is like that of Adam. He created him from dust. Then he said to him, be, and he was. So ultimately what he's saying is, yes, Jesus may not have had God. Jesus may not have had a father, sorry. Jesus may not have had a father. But that doesn't make him God, because even Adam didn't have a father and he was created from dust. And God just said, be, and it was gone for gone. This is the answer given in the Quran for those people who say Jesus was God because of him having no father. And God said the likeness of Adam to Jesus is, is the same in the sight of God. The creation of Adam and Jesus is the same in, in the sight of God. For he said to it, be, and it was, it came into existence. We'll finish off with Rabbul Alameen, which means the Lord of all creation. Allah subhanahu wa tells us in the Quran that he is the, the Lord of Alameen. Alameen here means everything that's in creation. Some translations will put it down as the Lord of the worlds, the Lord of creation, the Lord of all mankind, the Lord of universe. Because the, the word alamin is a very broad meaning. It means everything that exists. Remember, everything belongs to him. Everything, every, everything in creation depends on him. He depends on no, no, no one. He depends on nothing. So here, Allah SWT tells us in the Quran that he is the Lord of all type of creation of all the worlds, of all the beings, of the humans and the jinns. I thank you for watching this lecture. Um, do please um, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you are updated every time we 
um, upload a video. Um, as I said, if you do have any questions, you are welcome to email CLD through our website, contact us through the Facebook, and we also have an Instagram. Thank you ever so much um, for watching this concept of God in Islam. And I sign off with the greetings of peace by saying, Walikum Islam, peace be upon you.